Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. The mystery of whatever happened to them has traumatized the, the Washington area. The fact that, that two girls could just disappear made parents hold their kids a, a lot tighter. People who have been around since then really do point to that as the sort of a turning point in society in the Washington area and probably throughout the country. Welcome to It's All Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell here with another podcast about digital media and the people who make it. We've got a special podcast for you this week. Well, they're all special, but this is extra special because Neil Augenstein, who works at WTOP, the sister station to Federal News Radio, where I work, has launched a new podcast, Investigation Continues, premiered this week on the podcast One Network and also on iTunes. It's available in a lot of other places, but those are two places you can look. And it's a pretty great little podcast, and I encourage you to uh, search it out. Uh, we'll have a link to it with this podcast. Uh, but before we get to his interview, I, I just wanted to go over a couple of quick little things to sort of bring everybody up to speed of what's going on with the podcast. I hope within the next month or so to issue a special podcast that sort of talks about the changes that have gone on uh, behind the scenes to sort of explain things. But in brief, we've migrated a lot of our content from our former server at Blueberry to Podcast One, which is associated with Hubbard Radio, which is the company that owns the station that I work with. The podcast is still independently produced. It's produced in partnership, as always, with the Association of Alternative News Media. But we had this opportunity to uh, put it up on a much bigger platform, along with a lot of the other podcasts that uh, Hubbard is producing with Podcast One. Neil's podcast, Investigation Continues, is, is one of the ones that's being produced here in Washington, D.C., and we're happy to be with him and some of the other ones that are produced here on that platform. So I apologize if over the last few weeks in downloading our podcast you may have had some trouble or there may have been some double downloads or something like that. Uh, it's all part of the migration of, you know, moving you know, 240 podcasts over to a new platform. It's taking some time. It's taking a lot longer than I thought, but very soon we're going to be there. And hopefully this will um, open up some new possibilities for us, new opportunities for us to interview more people in the media who you would be interested in hearing about. We've got about four podcasts in the can, some really interesting topics I think you're really going to like. So I appreciate you uh, checking in with us. A couple of things, you know, one, one thing that I've never really done with this podcast is sort of to reach out to the listeners and solicit any type of support in any way. You know, we put the podcast out there because it's something we want to do. It's never been a money-making proposition. We're not seeking fame or anything like that. It's just something we like doing. You know, I enjoy talking to all of these really smart, you know, smart journalists, smart people in media who are... Uh, who have these sort of interesting jobs and stories to tell and getting the opportunity to share those with you. But if you like our podcast, you know, follow us on uh, Twitter at All Journalism. Check out our Facebook page. Just look for It's All Journalism. We're there. If you feel so inclined, write a review, positive, negative, whatever. We, we certainly welcome feedback of any type. Uh, you can do that on iTunes. 
And you could also reach out to us at editor at It's All Journalism or on the itsalljournalism.com website. Leave a comment there. Not that we need this this stuff. It's just nice to hear from people to sort of get an idea of the types of stories that they want to hear. If you've got an interesting journalism story uh, that you think other people would be interested in hearing, something, you know, maybe you're doing something innovative at your office. Maybe there's a, a topic that you're covering that a lot of people would be, you know, would want to hear about. Let us know. Drop us an email. Send us a comment. Like I said, reach out to us on Twitter. We get a lot of great guests that way, and I just want to encourage everybody to, that that's out there for you. So enough of me blathering. How about we get into my interview with Neil Augenstein? Welcome back to the studio, Neil. It's great to have you in here. We've spoken before about your iPhone reporting, but also the fact that you had done a podcast, the Hannah Graham story that you did for CBS is 48 Hours, which was your first experience as a podcaster, right? Right. This is my my uh, second time. I'm hoping to not have the sophomore jinx of trying to do this. But uh, after the Hanagram time, I wasn't sure I'd ever do it again. Yeah, I, I seem to remember at the time you were like, wow, this podcasting thing is like really hard. Now, let's talk about Hanagram first. That was University of um, Virginia. A Virginia student who had gone missing and was later found dead. Investigation around that, the eventual arrest of the suspect and, and conviction, and you had covered that case for WTOP. Could you sort of talk about that? That was a, you know, that started off being a, uh, use the word typical, crime story uh, that extended and extended and changed and turned into a, a tragedy. A college student who, uh, who disappeared and uh, was later found murdered. The man who uh, she had met that evening was eventually charged with with her murder. That case, I covered the, the disappearance almost from from day one. So I had lots of uh, lots of good tape already in my in hand from covering the day to day activities there. So when I started to put together the podcast after that, I had a bunch of tape that I was able to call upon and repurpose for the podcast. Okay. And, and, you know, when you were here before talking about it, I don't want to replay everything, but the fact is that you had, uh, that when CBS reached out to you and you'd never really done a podcast before, I think they were kind of like, oh, there's this serial podcast. Here's an opportunity for us to do something like that. As you said, you had all this other tape. And what was your original approach to that? What was your idea behind it? Never having heard a podcast before, actually, I listened to Serial to get a sense for uh, how deep they went into uh, into the story, and uh, I heard the conversational tone that they had, uh, you know, almost a, a flippant tone in, in in some cases, and I think that that my tone was a little bit uh, more like a straight journalist, but uh, you know, maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more personality than I'm able to put into a, into a regular news story. But it was mostly fact-based. So I, I listened to that, and I s started one part stealing from a serial, uh, you know, their, their technique or their, you know, their storytelling, and then mixing a little bit with, with my own. And as time went on, I think it became less of what serial was, and mostly because it didn't fit with the way that, that I understood the story. So their style didn't fit with my storytelling style. So it became more of, of my own. And I think that, that it eventually had 
for better or worse, an individual style uh, when, when I was done with it. Yeah, yeah, and I really, really enjoyed that podcast. I think you can still get it online at WTOP, you're correct? Yeah. Yeah, and I'll make sure that we uh, we put a, um, a link to that, uh, as well as the new podcast. Now, you know, you kind of alluded to it before. Um, you did that podcast, and it was so hard and so time-consuming that you didn't think you were going to do a podcast again. So now here we are. A brand new podcast. Tell us about what it is and what inspired you to to go ahead and do it. Well, this is the story of the Lyon sisters' disappearance. Uh, Sheila and Catherine Lyon were uh, 12 and and 10-year-old girls in uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, right outside the nation's capital, who disappeared after they walked from their home to Montgomery Mall during Easter vacation 1975. And for more than 40 years, the mystery of whatever happened to them has traumatized the, the Washington area. The fact that, that two girls could just disappear made parents hold their kids a lot tighter. People who have been around since then really do point to that as the sort of a turning point in society in the Washington area and probably throughout the country. The fact that, that there were never any any good suspects, you know, there were some suspects and, and some suspects' names, but it turned out that uh, that there were no arrests. And uh, to this day, the girls' bodies were never recovered. In 2013, police, Montgomery County police, got a, a major uh, a major lead when when they looked back at their their records and they saw that they actually had a good suspect right in front of them uh, back in 1975. In 2014, they named a person of interest by the name of Lloyd Lee Welch, who at that time was a convicted child sex abuser who was serving, I think, 29 years in, uh, in Delaware. And after police spoke with him several times in jail, they eventually indicted him, and uh, he, he will be standing trial for the Lion Sisters' murders later this year, again, even though their bodies have never been found. So what was it that inspired you to do this as a podcast? Well, unlike the Hannah Graham case, in which I already had a whole lot of tape that I could look back on and, and repurpose, in this case, there wasn't that much tape available. Uh, you know, the archive you know, there's a you know a little bit of, of archive footage out there, but I was not able to find any original interviews from back in the day. So what I ended up doing was searching online and looking for the newspaper articles of the day, and there were a few that that really stood out. For instance, there was one that was written by a Washington Star reporter just a couple days after the girls disappeared. And this reporter had sat down in the the kitchen with the mother of the the missing girls and described in such exquisite detail everything of of the house. I was really able to, when I read the the article, I was really able to envision what was going on in the family's home through the colors of the the bedspreads they had, the fact that one, one girl had one rock star's poster over her bed, and and the other girl had another star's poster over her bed. She described in detail the the mother drinking coffee and and smoking as she uh, 
as she hosted the visit. It was really evocative of 1975. So I, I eventually tracked down the reporter who is now an innkeeper in, uh, in Washington, Virginia, at the Middleton Inn. Her name is Mary, uh, Marianne Kuhn. And we got together and we talked about that article that she wrote that was you know 40 years ago. And, and as we talked about it, it was clear that she was able to really remember the moment. And it was uh, sort of better than a, than a photograph because the emotion that she felt when she sat down in that kitchen, she was able to relay to me for the podcast. And you know, it was real gold for storytelling because she was able to explain in such detail, you know, the kind of detail which you lose as time goes on. You know, now now the story of the Lion Sisters can be can be described in, in you know three sentences. But the reporting that was done at the time, if you go back and, and, and harvest that, it really paints a much more complete picture. And uh, I've listened to the first episode. It's it's pretty great. I mean, the production that you did on Hanagram was was excellent, and we're definitely something we're seeing again in in this new podcast. And you know, having written a book, having talked to different journalists and and podcasters, sort of about you know the post serial idea of you know newsrooms recognizing a podcast is a great way to tell a different type of story. You know, what do you think about this medium as, as a way to sort of expand uh, the reporting that you do? Well, it really is allowing me to learn more about the story. You know, I, I've done the the research you know, in in doing the research, and I really am I think probably learning more about the case than I would have in general. And I think that that will will pay off somewhere down the line in the, the context and the institutional knowledge I can provide. I traveled down to a little town where the trial is going to be held in Bedford County, Virginia, a place where I normally would never have traveled, probably. But, you know, I got to, to learn a little bit about the the people there and and the the beautiful landscape there, uh, and I uh, saw the the place where supposedly uh, the girls uh, were eventually brought. You know, I think that that being able to picture that in my mind's eye at the time and describe it and to integrate it into the the podcast will really help to paint a picture. I think that it does raise some some possibilities, you know, so, some some great possibilities for a reporter, but it also raises some some challenges I think in in the storytelling because a reporter is able to tell a story as it happens, but uh, you know, podcasts don't necessarily happen instantly. So there's, you know, a real difference between my day job of reporting breaking news and the podcast, which uh, allows a story to sort of percolate over days and weeks and months. Yeah, and, and the fact that you get to sort of um, stretch your audio production skills a little bit, because a lot of the reports that you do are for, for WTOP, because it's a 24-hour news station, you know, 30 seconds, maybe a minute of audio production that you that's on the air and then later online. So this gives you an opportunity to sort of Tell a longer story, but I, I do think that the fact that uh, that I'm a you know a regular news reporter, radio news reporter, is 
adding to the to the podcast in that I've done full blown production pieces in the past. I'm not sure whether uh, maybe maybe you know whether whether most podcast producers, in particular true crime podcast producers, also work at a at a news station, or whether whether they've uh, they sort of find a case and the and they they have great institutional knowledge about it. Uh, what 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 do you think? Well, I know that you know you look at something like Serial. You know that's something that came out of uh, a public radio, and you know that wasn't necessarily a case that they were covering, but they they had identified a case that that they could sort of blow out into a, a you know a short series. There's this other great podcast, In the Dark. Have you if you listened to that? I have, as a matter of fact, and a matter of fact, uh, Brian Drew, the uh, an editor at WTOP, who who actually has who I turned to for podcast recommendations suggested that I take a listen to uh, to In the Dark because he and his friends had been listening to it and loved it. And uh, it was soon after that that this thing came together. So I think, I guess, whereas the, the Hannah Graham thing was inspired by uh, by Serial, I would say that the, the Lion Sisters, the investigation continues was uh, inspired by uh, by In the Dark. Yeah, I had the opportunity to interview uh, the producer and the reporter on that podcast. And they can you know, they were the, the local uh, public media station and they were aware of the story and actually they had uh, they had started producing their podcast before a lot of the breaking news that happened that sort of revealed who the person was. And so it was just a weird kismet that you know, in the middle of it, suddenly somebody came forward that who was uh, the prime suspect and, and eventually, you know, confessed to the crime. And so that kind of changed the way their podcast ended, sort of how they how they they planned it. But, you know, crime as as a, as a theme for podcasting, it's I think it's one of those things that from what I understand, a lot of people are really kind of interested in, in listening to that. You know, crime on television, of course, is for a long time has been you know, one of those stable TV show tropes that, that people, you know, like the true crime, you know, news 48 hours type things, but they also like, you know, fiction, fictional pieces. So I think because of the nature of podcasts, which are, you, you sort of passively listen to it, I think it's an opportunity for people who are telling the types of stories that you're telling to, you know, spend a little time in long form audio production where they're able to sort of roll out uh, a story that may like yours you know is decades old and bring in different types of elements one of the nice things about i really like hearing what you said about uh that you actually talked to the reporter from 40 years ago the people in in, in the dark were able to uh, access a lot of old television audio make that part of their podcast they actually they had telephone conversations that uh, one of the investigators had tape for, and they were able to incorporate that into it. So the ability not just to, you know, what a lot of podcasters like me, uh, who, who basically sort of stand here and talk into a microphone, but you're, we're talking about podcasts that actually really leverage the power of the medium where you're able to bring in natural sound, you know, different audio sources to tell a more complete story. I think that the you know I've tried to use the natural sound uh, throughout it and in the same way that on in a radio piece natural sound can be even more effective than words for instance there was one point in the, the podcast where I wanted to to show where a search took place so 
just uh, this week I brought my uh, my iPhone out there and I recorded the the sounds of the uh, of where the search took place. And now when I put it into the the podcast, I had already recorded the words, but then when I put in the the natural sounds of the birds tweeting and and the and nature around, it really I think brought me as a listener directly to the spot far more effectively than just saying where it was that I was standing. And and that's the, the beauty of, of natural sound. And I think it, that that something that as a radio reporter, you know, I think I, I have over the years, I've, I've learned the value of natural sound in storytelling. In fact, there are times when stories are built specifically around the natural sound that I, that I have. You fit in a few facts, and you have a, a a good radio story if you have good natural sound. Yeah, a couple of the producers, uh, radio producers, I, and podcast producers that I spoke to for the book. You know, one of the things they they were saying about sort of the future of podcasting, and one of the things they're hoping to see, and and I guess what they're saying, they're seeing more of as people gain more experience. And as more like people like you who come with a radio background and bring that type of uh, production experience and that type of perspective, that it's not just, you know, turning on a mic and talking and telling what the story is, but actually crafting something that has a lot of depth to it from an audio perspective. Now, what would you say, what would you say to somebody who is a reporter who may want to do a podcast, who has a story, maybe it may not be even a crime story, but maybe they've got like a, like a city council story that's got really a lot of deep background, a lot of information, something that's a little broader that they can tell over a period of episodes. What would you say to somebody? Having as much tape as possible is, is a good starting point because it's, it's very empowering to listen to your tape and sort of uh, pull your cuts and know you know what? If, if I want to use this, I can I can have this this element described in a podcast. It's nice that you can focus on something that may not be a big part of the story, but if you you know if you have a lot of really evocative tape that can describe one particular moment or one particular aspect or of your story, that can really you know make a nice two or three minute part of your podcast. And, you know, I think that I wish that I had more tape for this story, but since I've only covered it sort of in the past tense, I didn't have that much. So being able to go back and talk, I also talked with with other reporters who, who covered it at the time. Uh, I also made use of uh, press conferences that were held. One other drawback in, in this case was that there's been a gag order in this case, for several months. So I'm, whereas I could normally call the prosecutor up and, and ask them to, uh, you know, to give me some more tape to help frame the story in a, in a podcast-friendly way, I'm not able to do that because they're not legally allowed to talk with me. Same even with, with the defense. So I've been relying on court documents. And of course, those are, those are you know, really valuable for a reporter because you're able to describe something as fact or at least as evidence. You don't need someone's words to describe them to you. You're able to take the facts and, and put them together in, in a good storytelling way. But you do need to, to look for other elements to make it 
interesting music, for instance. On, on, this is the first time that I did, um, I'm not even sure what it's called. I think it's <laughs> called a scoring, uh, the, doing the music for, uh, for this. In fact, I even wrote the, the theme and recorded it on my home, uh, my home recorder. And so that's the, sort of the backwards sounding bongo type thing. That's that's the the, the theme in the, in the investigation continues. Is something that I created on my on my computer. So this was a, a good learning experience. Uh, I I hope it came out okay. <laughs> well, okay. Now, um, so about the form of it, how many how many episodes are, are there? Um, there are there are five episodes in it. And the thought is that when the case goes to trial, if, it, if in fact it does go to trial, that we will likely cover it on a day-to-day basis. And, and each day during the trial, there would be a new, um, a new episode. So that, you know, that is something that you sort of have to plan ahead to make that happen. And for a radio station, that's a big investment to say that you're going to you know, send a reporter to a hotel and keep them there for 10 days, two weeks, however many days the, the trial is. But this is a, a good example of how I think the radio stations, at least ours, is realizing the importance of podcasting and, and other uh, non-traditional methods of, of storytelling as, as being part of our brand. And what's nice is is that because you've done the podcast, you've got background for your reporting when the case, if it does go forward, goes forward. And, you know, it, it's, you've sort of, you know, with, with Serial having, you know, multiple seasons with In the Dark having its its limited run and then the ex- expectations they're going to do future cases, is this something that you might, you know, once the Lions case is, is resolved, that you might have a, another series in you? As we mulled over names for the series, I came up with, the investigation continues, colon, and then in this case it says Lion Sisters. Of course, the reason why we chose the investigation continues is every news release that any, that anyone has ever received from a police agency includes the phrase, the, the investigation continues. It's infuriating for reporters, but, and it's, uh, you know, I think that it's both infuriating a little bit to to listeners, uh, but I think it is a good reflection of the fact that cases do develop and that uh, that cases change and that when things do happen that affect the case, we will go back and do another episode about it. So in answer to your question is, yes, the idea was, uh, let's call the series The Investigation Continues and we will, uh, we will put a, a new name after the uh, the colon uh, in future episodes, we'll see where it goes. And even if, it, if if nothing else occurs, at least you can say, "Oh, that that was the lion. That was the name of, for the lions when that was that was all it was." Neil, thanks for coming down. Now I know that that people will be able to get this on the podcast One Network. They'll be able to get it on the WTOP, the podcast DC podcasting page, and also iTunes. Congratulations on this. This is uh, really looking forward to listening to the to the rest of them. Welcome back to the world of podcasting. Thank you, and, and thank you for your your guidance. And you, you've you've answered all my questions uh, all along the way as I've uh, as I fumbled through this uh, complicated but uh, rewarding world of uh, putting together a podcast. Oh, uh, you would have gotten there on your own. Trust me. <laughs> Take care. Next time on it's all journalism. When I started with the Realist, I just wanted to archive the thing and read every issue and have like some sort of means of doing that. And I had no idea. What I was getting involved with. 
in terms of the content. But when we started with John, I just thought it was like this cool story about a guy who knew, you know, who was there. And I kind of knew the brief bio, the Village Voice, but I didn't even at the time know about his work with Andy Warhol. And getting into the comic, I would start to like talk to other people who were um, focusing on underground media for their own sort of history projects or documentaries or, or books and suddenly found out about John's role with the Underground Press Syndicate, which is a huge, huge thing. In our next podcast, I talked to a graphic novelist, Ethan Persoff, about our old friend, John Wilcock. You might remember him from a few episodes back, the man who was involved in the Underground Press of the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Ethan has written a multi-part, multi-chapter graphic novel with Scott Marshall about John. It's a great, great read, and I encourage everybody to read it, but I certainly encourage you to come back to next week and listen to our podcast, my interview with him. We talk about the underground press. We talk about graphic novels. We talk about The Realist, which was a underground uh, humor magazine from the 60s and 70s. Ethan was involved in archiving that online. We have lots of fun things to talk about, so check us out next Thursday. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about digital media. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. This week's episode was edited by Nicola Grisco. Amber Healy provided our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Hey, you've written a book. You can order copies of Turn Up the Volume, a Down and Dirty Guide to Podcasting on our website. Visit itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page. Isn't it time you started your podcast? Do you like the work that we're doing here at It's All Journalism? Now you can show your support on our Patreon page. Follow the link at the top of our website and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you can access exclusive content and receive updates about upcoming episodes. Donate a little bit more and we'll send you cool swag like our It's All Journalism mug or a signed copy of my podcasting book. There are even opportunities for you to submit ideas for future shows or even appear on an episode. Go to itsalljournalism.com and click on the Patreon link to find out more. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.